Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Uncle Tyler, and today you're going to be listening to another episode of It's Probably Something. I'm going to be joined today by Ryan, who is a big NFT investor. I believe that he's one of the most knowledgeable people in this space to me. And not only will I get some value out of this, but you guys will get some value out of this also. We'll be discussing whether or not he believes that NFTs are the next Beanie Babies, um, what to look for in projects if you do decide to invest in NFTs, uh, what is the metaverse, what does he believe that it will look like, and we'll talk about so much more. I hope you guys find this show to be very valuable to you guys. Please tell your friends, families, and your pets, please don't leave out the pets, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Uncle Tyler, and you're going to be watching another episode of It's Probably Something. On today's episode, I was joined by Ryan, who at one point owned 11 Board Ape NFTs. Um, I believe that Ryan will bring a lot of value to not only people that are in the NFT space already, but people that are new to the space or thinking about getting into the space. On today's episode, we talk about what got him into NFTs, where does he see it going, and what gets him mo the most excited. Also, he was so kind to drop some Ape Token Alpha, so I know the Board Ape Yacht Club community will enjoy that. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. If you guys find this valuable at all, please tell your friends, family, and like the video. Thank you. All right, so we're just going to get into it. Um, what what got you into, like, how long have you been in the, into the NFT space? Um, so I bought my first NFT actually in 2021, um, bought my first crypto coin in like 2017. So mm -hmm. it took me a while to catch on to NFTs. I actually saw punks when they dropped the first time and, um, it's kind of crazy. So I saw them drop and everyone was claiming them and they were actually a free claim and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, and as soon as like, I guess they were claimed out or whatever, there was an article written about it. And then people were selling them for money. And the craziest thing happened in my head. I was like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I missed out on claiming something for free that seemed really cool. But, um, but yeah, then I was like, oh, yeah, no, no one should pay money for that. So it's funny how it changes over time. What, um, yeah, let's just get to that part. What, what ended up getting you to change your mind from this is stupid to... This is something because you you yeah. currently own a uh, do you only own the Cheetah Board Ape Yacht Club or do you own multiple? I own uh, two. I actually owned three until yesterday. Sold one at the highest. I had eleven, and um, I've actually gifted one to my brother-in-law and one to my brother as well, um, hoping that we can uh, pay their houses off and uh, you know all of us can kind of change our family tree for the long term. Um, just some poor boys from Alabama. So, you know, <laughs> trying to do what we can. Oh, but, yeah, that's um, me, but I'm in, I'm in Nebraska. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, what, what got me to change my mind? So, um, for me, I guess probably the most impactful moment uh, about NFTs, like being here to stay. Well, one, when, uh, when I saw punks, so, you know, I guess my whole story starts like in uh, COVID, right? Um, everyone's life changed in COVID, but, um, you know, uh, everything was down March 23rd, worst day of stock market performance, and uh, everything was bad. And um, we had a little bit of money um, in savings. And I was like, okay, well, I'm glad we got a little bit of money in savings. And we're just going to watch everything. And so we just watched everything until like November. 
And then um, I was like, okay, well, it seems like the world's kind of getting somewhat back to normal. Like this is not going to be, you know, the same as it always was in the past, but maybe it's, it's back to normal. So it's like, okay, well, maybe we should start investing some of this money and, you know, we're never going to be able to retire if we don't invest some money. So I was like, okay, let's just take a little bit of risk. We'll, we'll buy some Ethereum. So um, we started buying some Ethereum pretty heavily. And then I was looking into uh, things that were, you know, because I was interested in the fact that Ethereum is appreciating against the dollar. And I was like, okay, what things appreciate against, the, you know, in Ethereum terms as well. And so I saw that punks were breaking that one ETH floor. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. So let's see if they can go above one ETH. And so they started going above one ETH. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, um, I should start, I should start paying attention to this. I should really focus on this. And then, um, and then I just did. And it was like, I was like, okay, well, you know, um, got work, got everything else. And so I just, I just, it slipped my mind. And then, I guess it started blowing up and started getting more like I was seeing NFT everywhere, all on Twitter and all the people that I follow. And then, um, and it was really for me, the, uh, the Saturday night live skit, um, with, uh, Eminem where he did the rap boy thing. Um, well, mm -hmm. I guess it's not really Eminem. It's the, the guy who like plays Eminem like or whatever. Pete Davidson, right? right. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Pete Davidson. Yeah. And they did the, they released the NFT or whatever. And that was actually the first NFT that I bought. Um, it never went anywhere. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, though, because um, Saturday Night Live airs just so many people. And so um, and then I started looking at NFTs again, actually found uh, found Pranksy, which is who turned me on to Board Ape Yacht Club after he spent uh, like a ton of ETH bin. He bought like a thousand Board Apes when they launched. So. So you didn't you didn't mint any. No, I didn't mint any. I bought right like like right after they sold out i started buying so so how much do you know roughly like the amount that you yeah like i was paying like 0.2.3 eth an ape see so i wish i was... even got in at that i wish i got in even at that early i, I bought yeah. my ape at a 0.61 um, okay okay and and that was because like i saw because you know the community was super strong at that time and it still is yeah strong, but like sure. i saw I saw like apes being put on like vans and everything like that. And yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, this sure. looks pretty this looks pretty cool. And my favorite animal is uh is like a gorilla, you know? So I was just like, okay, this Absolutely. seems like pretty cool. And then like I uh my first NFT besides um you heard about NBA top shot like early on. Yeah, yeah. So uh -huh. besides that, of course that got a lot of people into the door. I bought right. a V friend. Um so, okay. That was my really my foot in the door, like setting up like a meta mask and everything like that. So yep. it's always shout out to Gary just for even getting my Absolutely. foot in the, in the door there. But were you, were, did you ever have the mindset of like, um, like this, I can just right click and save this? Why is this worth so much money? No, no, that 100% never. Like for me, it was like, I, I did the whole like, why are people paying money for the CryptoPunk thing? But it wasn't. It wasn't for me, it was like, I guess it wasn't, I, I never thought like, okay, well, it's a, it's a digital thing that I could just save a picture of it. That never kind of crossed my mind because I grew up in the world of um, like uh, RuneScape, for example, that was a huge part of my childhood. Um, spent way too much time playing that. And, um, and actually my wife who, uh, who I got into like Twitter m much more so this year um, or over this last year, um, grew up playing like, uh, like Neopets. And um, so we totally got digital assets um, from that standpoint. And so when um, when I first started buying uh, board apes, like it was, uh, I think it was like May first, I believe the date was. Um, I came downstairs and uh, I had my computer out, and I was I was sitting there on the couch, like 
you know, uh, looking at all of them and I was like contemplating which one I was going to buy. And, and my wife was like, what are you doing? And uh, her, her famous quote that she'll never live down is, uh, you know, you better not lose all my ETH. And I was like, I'm not going to lose all your ETH. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. And so, um, so yeah, but, but digital assets to us just totally made sense. And then as it, as the whole concept developed and as we started wrapping our minds around, um, the metaverse a lot more and a lot more about what board api club is trying to do and all that kind of stuff it just it just made a ton of sense uh to us and and now we see digital assets long term being a constant part of our portfolio so right yeah i feel the exact same way where it automatically clicked about the digital assets thing because uh, i'm yep. i'm 24 i don't know how old yep. uh, or young you are um but yep. <laughs> my i pretty much grew up like so, since I was born in 97, you know, I started coming yep. in and the whole technology and everything started to be shifted towards digital. So that makes sense to me. Like it just automatically sure. made sense. Um, what about, so you said that you and your wife automatically, uh, like they clicked for you guys. When yep. it comes to un- onboarding, like new people that don't understand mm-hmm. like digital assets fully and do have the mindset of, oh, I can just right click and save this. Is there a certain, right. uh, is there a certain analogy that you may end up using like to make it easier for them to understand? Um, yeah, I, I think probably uh, the, the easiest analogy is like a Fortnite skin, just because that's so common. Um, and everyone knows what Fortnite is and everyone has, you know, annoying little kids that play Fortnite somewhere <laughs> in their family or something. So a Fortnite skin is probably the easiest, most relatable um, analogy. Um, and then if it, if I know the person, I'll try to talk to them and like the game that maybe they, they might have played uh, based on their age. But there's also this, uh, this phenomenon that's really interesting to me about um, people and their ages and then how receptive they are essentially to new ideas. And it's just, it's always very interesting to me when I see somebody who is older than me, who is more receptive to ideas than I am, new ideas than I am. Um, that's just always really, really interesting to me. I feel like once you get post 30, and, and for reference, I'm, I'm 29, I'll be 30 next month. Once you get post 30, um, I feel like it just starts cliffing really hard uh, towards the acceptance of new ideas. And so um, I think that uh, crypto will take... Um, much longer, I think, than a lot of people uh, want it to or hope it does. Um, because of that, it will just essentially take a turning over of the generations to accept it. Um, probably similar to uh, electric cars. So I bought a Tesla earlier this year, and none of my none of the older males in my family have any understanding of why I would want an electric vehicle. And they're like, "Oh, you don't understand this is the inconvenience of having a charge," and you know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, "This is the greatest thing ever!" Like. The software updates to my car, yeah, absolutely. My car literally gets smarter overnight, uh, but but they'll never do it and probably never understand it. So, do you think that mainly? Do you think there's any correlation of between like now you're because you have a, you're married and you have kids yep. too, right? We have, yeah, we have one kid. So, do you think like you said thirty? More likely when you're reaching 30 and whatnot, you now it's kind of harder for you to take risk because you do have a wife, you do have kids sure. and, and you're deep in your career. Do you think that has uh, any correlation to, to that? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. There's definitely a lot less um, interest in taking risk as you get older. And I think that's the wrong approach. Um, I grew up um, listening to Dave Ramsey and uh, following the principles that Dave Ramsey teaches about personal finance. And um, 
Dave Ramsey will tell you that he's not uh, a fan of these target date mutual funds. And the reason he's not a fan of target date mutual funds, this would be like a target date fund that says, uh, oh, well, your estimated retirement age is uh, in the like the 2050 fund or the 2060 fund, et cetera. These funds, they, they scale back your risk over time. But there's really, if your financial situation is fine, then there's really no reason to have to scale back your risk um, over time. And what they do is they scale down into bonds and gold and and, uh, and dollars and things like that, rather than being in 10%, 12% a year mutual funds. Now, obviously, we're going into a really crazy time of the world right now, tons of volatility. I was talking to my wife about it last night. There's uh, in the last like 20 years, there's been, I don't know, three or four economic crises in the United States. I mean, it's been crazy. So it's very volatile. So um, that, you know, do your own research on that advice. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I think there's probably a lot, a lot of people that just don't want to take the risk, but I think there's also just a ton of just not, they don't understand, you know, and, um, and we have the benefit, um, me and you have the benefit of growing up in a digital first world almost. Um, texting came out when I was like seven or something. Um, so like it's, uh, been very digital first. Right. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I totally get you where you're coming from there. Um, to remain on the topic of board apes, I know that, so I will, so yesterday the news or the rumor got released that board apes were, uh, was raising a, uh, $5 billion, raising money at a $5 billion valuation. And I was right. super hoping that I would be able to one that at least gets a, some type of inside scoop on that today. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was, like, ah, I was so so close. But <laughs> um, what are your? I I saw some of your tweets um, um, refuting like some people were were saying like they're going to be giving some of the ape tokens to the right. PC. Can you right. uh, give your thoughts on that? Like, what is the difference between? Um, sure giving some of them to the VC versus not. I know Jack Dorsey said the VCs own Web3 and some people believe that Board right. would go down severely if the VCs did get the token. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so a um, couple things uh, for clarity. I've talked to a few different people about this, uh, people with, uh, with direct knowledge of the situation. Um, I personally, for background work, um, my day job is in private equity. Um, private equity essentially takes investor capital and it's in between venture capital and the stock market. So if the stock market earns 12%, private equity earns 15%, venture capital earns 20% is how I usually describe it. So it's, uh, it's more riskier than the stock market, but less risky than venture capital, which is pretty much just a, a bet on a founder essentially. So um, as far as the token goes, as far as what Board Ape Yacht Club is doing, my understanding is that uh, Board Ape Yacht Club is raising uh, at a $5 billion valuation for the company Yuga Labs. Um, the difference in uh, raising at a $5 billion valuation um, of Ape token itself is obviously Ape token doesn't exist, so it doesn't have a valuation. So there's no market cap of Ape token. It's not worth anything. We don't know what the supply is going to be. I've heard a billion tokens. I'm not 100% sure on that number, but um, but that's what I've heard. And so uh, if there was a $5 billion valuation on Ape Token, then, and, and you can do it that way, right? Like you can say like, okay, well, Ape Token is equity in this project and we're not ever going to formally create a legal entity company, but uh, the founders of Board Ape Yacht Club uh, 
created Yuga Labs and they're they're very smart in the way that they're doing things. Um, Yuga Labs will exist as a crypto company for probably the next 50 to 100 years unless they screw it up really badly. And uh, so, so what that means is they're probably going to, you know, maybe they'll do at some point uh, a Yuga Labs NFT marketplace, you know, um, who knows what they'll come up with and what they'll do, but it's actually a really, really great plan because they create an in real life job for themselves at Yuga Labs, but they're still able to decentralize Board Ape Yacht Club. Um, and so that's going to be very, very powerful. And so from what I've heard, there's about 10% of Yuga Labs that they're going to sell to a venture capital company. Um, and I've actually heard, uh, you said you wanted some alpha for the, for the podcast. So I'll give you some alpha for the podcast. Um, so I've actually heard that uh, the venture capitalists, they will not be allowed to buy any tokens early, but they will be aggressively buying tokens when the token drops. So just be ready for that. Um, they're, they wanted early access, um, Board Ape Yacht Club wanted to force them to have a lockup period on their tokens. They did not want a lockup period on their tokens. So they were told they will have to buy their tokens on the open market. And so they will be aggressively buying tokens on the open market when the token drops. So there you go. I appreciate the alpha, man. I need, Absolutely. To, get, I need to get in the circles you're in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, with, um, so with that being said, do you did you end up agreeing with Jack Dorsey when it came to him saying Web3 owns um or VCs owned Web3? Were you what was your thoughts on that? Do you agree with him there? I know that was a, a huge that was like a shot heard around the world amongst the yeah. NOT community. Yeah, for sure. Um I mean, yeah, in some ways I, I 100% agree with him and in some ways I I you know 100% agree with uh you know, a lot of the Bitcoin maximalist uh, viewpoints on things that, yes, we absolutely need to push towards more privacy, more freedom and more ability to do things. So, yeah, in some ways I do. Um, I think there's a lot that that Jack probably misses um, for one reason or another, whether they're uh, personally, you know, motivated reasons or he just doesn't know or chooses to ignore, um, thinks that proof of work is the only way, something like that. Um, not really certain on you know, and I think a lot of people are curious about why he why he uh, is the way he is about, you know, his views on crypto and stuff like that. Um, and I don't think he's been enough, uh, you know, transparent enough about that with people. But but yeah, in certain ways, I do agree that there's a lot of venture capital money in this space. Um, the interesting thing is that, you know, I was thinking about this. It's it's really weird. There's a lot of venture capital money in this space. But if you um, if you explore what's going on, uh, Vitalik, for example, just spent um, uh, I don't know how long, a couple of weeks or whatever in Argentina. And in Argentina, it is that they, they like literally like bow to Vitalik Buterin in Argentina. They all know who he is. Dude walked up and down my street. None of the old people that I live by would have a clue who he is. They would probably try to feed him because they would be like, he's so skinny. There's no, he's probably homeless or something, but, um, but yeah, they would have no clue who he is. And, and in Argentina, he's walking around and people asking for his autograph. And everybody uses crypto there. So it's really interesting that venture capitalists are really into this space and third world countries are really into this space. Um, the in-between, the people who are, you know, the, the white collars who are comfy are not. So, 
do you think that has a lot to do with the current like tax coding of how we end up taxing crypto? Because there's so many, so much taxes that you have to worry about there. I still haven't even started on my on my tax stuff yet. Um, so, so do you think that is a big factor in that? Yeah, I mean, it's um, yeah, the taxing is the taxing is a pain. Um, you're gonna pay short-term capital gains on everything that you don't hold with, over a year. Um, the good thing is there's some softwares that are getting better. Um, I just saw when I was uh, prepping for my tax return that um, TurboTax allows you to import transactions from Coinbase. Um, just, you know, tax advice to anyone out there listening, I would 100% only ever use onboard and offboard yourself through one exchange so you can track your cost basis um, because that is super important to uh, making sure that your taxes are done right. So. Um, but yeah, I think the tax software will get better. And I think there's some complexities around that that most people probably wouldn't understand. Um, and then I, I also think that, um, that there's probably a lot of people who just want to kind of live their life and kind of ignore it and don't want to learn more past a certain age. Um, and then uh, obviously there's a lot of people who, uh, my, my parents are, um, they're, they're uh, careers are in financial services they actually both work at financial institutions and um, they literally just want to retire before any of this stuff hits the fan and so um, I think there's probably a lot of that too so uh, but yeah there's a lot of interesting reasons why um, I, there's obviously you know you can look at all the all the charts and numbers there's been for whatever reasons you want to proclaim them to be um, there's been a huge wealth disparity um, that's been created uh, over the last 40, 50 years, um, you know, and uh, the middle class is shrinking and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, crypto is solving problems for people. And and uh, I think it's it's probably inevitable. I just saw where the IMF uh, advised El Salvador to uh, stop accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. Like, why does the International Monetary Fund care? Are right, they worried but, about something? <laughs> right. That's and that's what some people were saying that if you have a cryptocurrency that is decentralized, that can overthrow literally everything that has been in place for so long, that is scary for those those people. So absolutely. So that it'll definitely be interesting to see how that ends up playing out. Um, I've always been for one sure. that thinks like a Bitcoin is always like a doomsday scenario type of thing. It is. Where like, like the more it goes up in price, the more probably chaotic it is in, in the world, I feel like. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, I think there's probably a place, though, um, for a currency like Bitcoin to exist, uh, even if it doesn't exist. It doesn't have to exist, I guess, to um, to be like a settlement layer. Right. Like it can be digital gold and have done very, very, very well for what it was intending to do because it can give the world a baseline. Uh, you don't have to denominate in Ethereum. I don't care if we denominate in Satoshis. That's fine. Just give the world a baseline for non-inflating currency. Um, that's what we're all looking for. And that's what we all think will solve a lot of these economic problems that we face. Um, and literally the only way to do it is to take the control out of the hands of humans because humans are corruptible um, at any and all levels. So, um, so yeah, I think that's uh, I think, I think it's, I think it's a good goal. And, you know, I'm personally stacking Bitcoin and Ethereum. So 
are you not interested in any other? Um, is there any ones that other cryptocurrencies that you're looking into at all? Um, it, it would be things that are um, honestly the things that are tokenized on Ethereum. Um, I'm not interested in like any layer more. Layer twos and all that stuff. Yeah, layer, layer twos, exactly. I'm not interested in any more um, alt layer ones or anything like that. I, I think there's a lot, and even Bitcoin, I'll have a criticism of Bitcoin here. Yeah, even Bitcoin does not do a good job of what it's trying to do, which is preparing for every scenario. Um, I, reason I'm very pro Ethereum is because, you know, proof of stake can be uh, literally run on a laptop and you have to have a whole server farm to, to, to run for Bitcoin. So, I mean, literally, you know, guys with guns can show up and shut down your server farm. I mean, the governments could, in a way, stomp out Bitcoin. I think, I think hopefully that they come to accept it and it doesn't come to that kind of scary scenario where guys with guns are going around trying to steal Bitcoins from people. <laughs> It'd be kind of a uh, crazy world. But, um, but yeah, like sci-fi. I mean, Sounds like yeah, like for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But, uh, but if it does, um, Ethereum will last. And so uh, one of the reasons that I think uh, Bitcoin is not decentralized enough is because there's one software program that you can use to mine Bitcoin. It's called Bitcoin Core. That's it. Ethereum has four different softwares um, for being able to, you know, store the chain and uh, process transactions and, and validate and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I think Ethereum or I think Bitcoin should work towards uh, continuing its goal of decentralization. I think it's kind of gotten into a cat fight with Ethereum and it just needs to focus on, uh, you know, building and, uh, and decentralizing. And to do that, you know, you need to be able to rerun on any electronic device that exists. So this is where, like, I don't know enough information, but with Bitcoin wouldn't, so I, I know a lot of people talk about like the hash rate, you know, like when right. uh, China ended up banning Bitcoin for it is a hundredth time, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> the hash time, hash rate ended up going down. Isn't so that forced people to move out of China and end up coming to America and other countries. Isn't that in that case, decentralizing it more, it's harder to like shut off everyone's mining machines at at that point. Like, are you because for sure you're saying it would be like a low probability of something like you're talking about actually happening? Yeah, it's a low probability of it happening. It is still one of the major risks out there that I see for the entire industry is uh, say the International Monetary Fund says you can't be a member of the IMF anymore if your if tr- uh, Bitcoin mining it happens in your country or something like that, right? Like, I mean, there's some super crazy out there scenarios. I think we're far enough along that people have accepted that it's not going away. Um, there was a, a New York... Um, financial services director or some major position in the government in, in, in New York sworn in today and um, person that has experience in the private sector experience in crypto and then different things like that and uh, exact quote from her was that it's not it's not going away cryptocurrency is here to stay so I think everyone's kind of accepted that and hopefully there's not a big fight uh, to force crypto to go away I think you know the government wants to the, well, the government's already lost some big fights, right? So, so they tried to fight Apple um, to have them unlock terrorist iPhones, and Apple was like, nah, bro, not doing it. So, um, so I mean, the government's already lost some fights. Uh, the government li- it literally used to be illegal to um, own a book that had cryptographic information about cryptography in it because it was controlled by the military. That actually was in um, 
a uh, what's there's an arms act law that that was in. And then there was like all these crazy professors, you know, professors, they're crazy. And they were like handing out books about cryptography and stuff. And, and so um, if you've ever read uh, Before Bitcoin, um, it's a really good four-part series. I'd highly recommend it. Um, written by a guy named Peter Pan. Um, totally uh, anonymous uh, character, but uh, tells a great story about um, the, the cypherpunks who are essentially the people who started um, the whole cryptographic movement in, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so uh, highly recommend if, you, if you're interested in stuff like that, some history of the, the industry. And you can get that off of just like Amazon or like Barnes & Noble? Uh, it's actually on the internet, just publicly available. It's called Before Bitcoin. Um, I'll send you a link to it. And then if you want to put it in, um, in your show notes, you, you absolutely can. I would highly recommend it. Okay. Yeah, appreciate you. Um, yeah, for sure. And then let's real go back. Uh, rewind back to like the VC slash companies like getting into uh, the NFT space. I know yeah. a lot of people were always hyped up and said, wait until such and such gets into the space. And then like a company gets into the space and then like people are like, they're not doing it the right way. Well, how right. are you pro companies getting into the space because it leads to more growth? Um, or how do you feel about like partnerships like the Adidas or Nike did the opposite route and they end up buying an NFT right. uh, company? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. So the, uh, the, the MySpace movement, um, Facebook movement, all the social, the social movements for the different sites over time, right? Um, it was one of those things where like, you know, you got a MySpace. And then your parents got a MySpace and then everyone went to Facebook. <laughs> so uh, there's probably some of that that'll happen. I've seen some people like, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, brands saying GM to each other all day. Right. So there's probably some of that where like the people who are the early innovators are going to run forward to something new, but mainstream is coming, you know, and mainstream's not far from being here as far as my preference on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. Um, I think it's great for the for moving forward things. I mean, here's some phenomenal things I would love. One one being this is a super easy one. Um, literally, we should tokenize every piece of land in the United States on a blockchain. Land transactions are such a common thing. Real estate such a common thing. I mean, there's so many different things that could help the world and be, make things just more efficient. And I'm absolutely like I, I feel like I'm a robot sometimes, but I'm, I'm just solely focused on efficiency. And so when it comes to that, like I, I order all of my food ahead and, mm-hmm. um, and pick it up like with the, with the apps and everything. And like, I'm really uh, efficient at all that kind of stuff. And I just love that, you know, COVID created that adoption um, for the world and just got everyone moving forward. Um, so I think we need some stuff like that with blockchain as well. There's, there's some things in our, you know, society that don't make a lot of sense, you know, having to go find some sort of county inspector's website to look up a parcel of land or whatever is just, it's just dumb. You should be able to look at it on a blockchain explorer and, uh, and find out all you need to know right there. So, um, so yeah, highly, highly bullish on that long-term. And as far as brands getting in the space, um, yeah, I think that's only going to help. Yeah. When I think about, uh, cause you're talking about like tokenizing land and how much of a pain it is to even look up certain things that it always reminds me of like, um, to, with my girlfriend, I'm always yeah. like, once you go down the rabbit hole, you're like, Oh, that can be an NFT or this yeah. can be a blo- on the blockchain or whatever. So once you go down the rabbit hole, it, it's like, uh, it feels like the matrix, you know, like you absolutely you take the pill and you just get unleashed to every, everything. Um, for so, sure. And 
and it needs to be right like just make it easier for people like make everything easier put it all on on chain and and make it traceable i mean that's the the greatest thing about it like i went and um and i was dealing with my tax accountant and i was like hey man i don't know about this and how this is going to be reported or whatever and he was like well just send me your wallet address and i'll just look up all your transaction history and that's great, right. you know, right. <laughs> so easy. Like, I don't know if you've ever done any accounting or anything, but I full-time have spent the last probably 10 years of my life doing accounting. And I'm kind of transitioning out of that now, thankfully, but whenever you have to reconcile accounts receivable between two different companies and, and kind of true up between two different companies, it's such a pain. And if something gets misapplied, it's like, it's such a pain in accounting systems versus if you were just able to go look it up on the blockchain and be like, oh, this is how it works. I mean, I know a lot of people are scared because technology is a, a you know, really, really, I guess, a deflationary force and mm. um, costs people a lot of jobs. I mean, some major technology out there, including uh, Tesla self-driving technology that's coming that is going to absolutely change the world. We have 60 million truckers in the United States and, um, that's scary. You know, that's a lot of people that could be without a job. So we got right, a lot of innovating right. to do. That's when I, uh, my brain automatically thinks is if you know that this is coming, you know, like it's been an open secret for many years that this right. is coming, you know, so you might right. as well prepare yourself like for that day that it is here. Um, for sure. and that's easy, definitely easier said, said than done for sure. But sure. I feel like we can't yeah. just sit around and just wait for the days that come and then you don't have a plan for what's next after that. No, hundred percent agree. And I'm big, um, Andrew Yang fan too. Um, I think, uh, his, his stuff seems really interesting to me. His, uh, political stances on, on a lot of things are very interesting to me. And, uh, he's one of the most pro, uh, crypto politicians that I've seen very, very more mainstream politicians anyway, people that would run for, run for president or something like that. So um, highly recommend he, he's very into kind of how we can prepare our workforce, you know, for the future. And I think that's really important to where we're headed. And I believe uh, uh, one of his talking points, I'm not trying to turn it into political thing, but one of his talking yeah, yeah. points was uh, um, income, uh, universe, universal income. Mm -hmm. um, am I correct on that? Yep. Yep. He's very big on UBI and um, he called it the freedom dividend, I believe. And I don't know if you know, there is a, there is a UBI on uh, Ethereum as well. Um, it's called a uh, proof of humanity. And mm -hmm. it's a very, very interesting protocol. You essentially just go on there, prove you're a human and they airdrop you slash, I guess, drip them to you UBI tokens like every second or something. See, this is why I wanted to do a podcast with you, man. I'm it so much. <laughs> it's awesome. So, what there's so many there's so many use case scenarios for NFTs. Yeah. Um, like there's going to be, and even now, I believe like some tickets for NFL games recently have started to be like NFTs, but they aren't like. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're making it obvious that it's like an NFT. I feel like it's kind of like pushing people. People already have like yeah. kind of have a sour taste towards NFTs for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, so you got play to earn gaming, uh, that is being worked on digital art. Um, what gets like the three-year-old or the five-year-old Ryan riled up to be able to see maybe a decade or even sooner, what gets you hyped up? Yeah. So, um, I think if you combine so big in uh, my childhood, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, if you combined Pokemon and NFT, something like Pokemon Go and NFTs, 
oh man that would be sweet like i probably grinded a max level on pokemon go i probably grinded for <laughs> five years playing pokemon go uh, me and the wife would go around and play um, with all these other different nerds so um so yeah that that would be cool um man uh, something like runescape would be cool um I, we are invested in uh the treeverse i don't know if you've seen the treeverse but uh we're invested in the treeverse we really excited about that game um can't wait till we can just uh sit around and play treeverse we, we've got a couple of trees so that's going to allow us to earn uh seed tokens from that um, so we can place those trees in the treeverse and then players can go uh, pick the fruit off of them and uh, we get to collect seed from that uh kind of like our own little farm inside treeverse um, and seed will be the token of the Treeverse economy. So very intrigued by what Treeverse is doing. Um, so all, all that kind of stuff. I'm super into the all the play to earn stuff. Haven't seen anything crazy yet. Played played Wolf Game for a while. That was fun. Um, I'm definitely going very hard on uh, what Board Ape Yacht Club does in the metaverse, the Ape token, all that kind of stuff. That's probably going to be the most exciting uh, play to earn game to come out. And I don't know if you know you, you're aware of this or anybody who's listening. For anyone who's listening that might not be aware of this, uh, it's uh, Q2 is uh, when that's coming out. So get ready for the first half of 2022. That's going to be really interesting for the play to earn coming out. Right. Yeah, I think I do remember uh, that was in the news release, right, I, I believe. Yep. Um, and I, I do know that you um, go to go reference back to Ape Token. I remember you recently had a tweet where you said that you don't think it's likely to come out in February. Uh, yep. Are you able to talk about why you believe that? Yeah, um, I just think it's uh, I think there's a lot going on um, macroeconomically right now. So today uh, we closed the, you know, the trading down the uh, stock market floor or whatever. And Microsoft reported their earnings and they beat earnings and they were down like 10 percent after after hours. I'm like, holy geez, like 10 percent of Microsoft right. is a lot of money. You know, and they, they recovered to like down being down 6%, but that's still a lot of money to just get wiped out. Um, a lot of times when people get in this like fear-based mindset, they just get fearful just to be fearful. And so, um, and then they just get bullish just to be bullish. It's like, it's like right. the craziest thing. It's almost like animals. You can almost read people and read what the room is doing. And so um, like, for example, I made a recent pretty good trade on looks and um, I, I probably saved myself a few hundred thousand dollars um, by a 48 hour window. And it was, people were just bullish to be bullish. And I was like, I'm just going to ride this up to the top. And then I was like, okay, it seems to be stalling out right here. I think this is a good point to step out. And, and then it just rode back down. And so it, people sometimes just get bullish to be bullish and bearish to be bearish. And I, and I almost sometimes feel like it's, uh, it's, I almost sometimes feel like it's rigged, right? Because, one of the things I hate about the stock market, and the reason I hate it is, uh, is because it's very anti-crypto, is it's not like you can go somewhere and see all of the on-chain trades happening, right? Like right. none of this stuff's on-chain. Like the whole stock market needs to be on-chain. Let's just levelize the entire playing field. Um, you know, in the whole Robinhood story, I don't know if you knew what was going on there, if your listeners are aware, yeah, but- Yeah, Game, GameStop. GameStop and all that. And so- um, they were essentially selling data to mutual funds so mutual funds could front run your trades. 
and uh well, that's not right you know <laughs> like that's not right. cool so um so yeah i mean i'm very bullish on like blockchain being able to solve a lot of problems and create a lot less volatility and then there probably needs to be a lot less volatility in the economic system and i i almost sometimes think you know maybe some of this volatility is made up and they just make it up that it's volatile and they just cause some of these things um because if they have volatility then they can be like well here i can come stop the volatility <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> right yeah uh, we yeah. maybe we don't really need that you know so yeah so that's what i was uh like thinking because i've been investing since i was uh, graduated high school in 2015 so i've seen yeah. i've seen a lot of down like there hasn't been a lot of downturns but there's been like there. I think 2017 or 18, when interest rates got hiked up three times or whatever, the market ended up crashing a little bit. Um, I do think a lot of people are too short-sighted and they don't zoom out and they get panicky. But when I, I, when I think about, um, I'm a, I'm a fan of more retail investors uh, getting financially free, you know, and learning and all that stuff. But what I'm noticing also in NFT space is those is retail investors, you know, so they right. kind of ha- they bring in that same gambling mindset over yep. to this space, which ends up hurting a lot of people. And you're not really, a lot of people aren't really learning. They're just catching on the waves and listening to influencers or and not right. necessarily doing their own research. So yep. I and that's the reason why I really wanted you on the podcast is because I, I don't believe that you're like that. You do your own research and all that stuff. So I always get messages about, okay, how do you know what NFT to invest in? I'm um, not telling you to name an NFT that uh, you're looking at, but for example, you just are now getting to the space. What catches your eye or what do you look for in order to know this is a good project where you possibly won't get rugged and stuff like that? Yeah, um, probably. So some easy ways you can do research on NFT projects. Um, one way would be to look up, and, and these aren't always accurate in terms of being 100% telltale signs, but you can look up when, uh, it's really easy, you can look up when the Twitter account for the project was created. Um, you know, I had this one project one time trying to tell me that they've been working on this thing for like five years or something. I spent like way too much time arguing with them. I think it was uh, like called like crypto beasts or something. It was like these eggs or something. And they're like giving them away to people, try to get them to like promote them. Eggs. Yeah, it was like something trash. I was like, man, this is garbage. I spent way too much time <laughs> arguing with them and trying to prove them that they were lying. But um, but anyway, so y- you can look up when the Twitter account was created. You can also do something called look up the who is. Um, so the who is is a domain name registrar service. Um, GoDaddy has a ability to do this, or uh, there's a lot of other free websites that let you do this. And you essentially plug in the domain name of their website. Um, this will tell you when the domain was registered. Um, all this stuff's just good information on, you know, how much work have they really put into this. So um, it's probably often you're going to find that these domains were registered a month ago. Um, or something like that. So, um, and then you can also validate, like, if you can reach out in the Discord to the mods and ask them when they started working on this project. Um, well, I mean, if they tell you they've been working on it for five months and they registered their domain a month ago, then you know you're dealing with somebody shady. So that that's a really easy way to do it too. 
Um, so, so I highly recommend some of those tactics. And then um, I would also like, you know, recommend just like kind of vetting the, the idea, you know? So what I don't like is I don't like um, 10,000 10, plus mint projects. I don't like knockoffs, um, things that, that do kind of copy paste of anything else. Um, that doesn't really turn me on. Like the Xerox apes aren't really my thing. Um, it congrats to someone who's made money on them or if that's your thing, that's great. It's just not my thing. Um, the, uh, the flip punks are not my thing. Kind of thing like that. I'm, I'm looking for more new ideas. Um, so uh, one of my biggest uh, successful projects that I've minted was um, Jenkins the Valet. I thought that was a phenomenal idea. I actually considered offering the guy um, who created that um, a sizable amount of ETH for the idea when it was like an early incubation and I first heard about it. I was like, oh man. I wonder if my wife would think I was crazy if I just sent him an offer of like 50 <laughs> just for this to own this idea and, and that ape and and uh, and he's done phenomenally well with it. I've been a huge supporter of that. Um, it's a great idea. And um, they've partnered with uh, CAA as a talent agency and then they've done some really, really great things. So um, so for me, it's like innovative ideas. They're building off of IP. That's a really big turn on um, play to earn games. Super interested in that as well. Um, but uh, just random profile pictures uh, for, for the sake of random profile pictures is not, not as much. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, uh, so I, I think I only own, I own like, I own a lot of NFTs, but they're all from the exact like three projects. Like, so yeah. they're building off like IP. So like for Bored Apes, you know, like I had a mutant until I gave it to my girlfriend and then I got, I had a, the dog and then yeah. like I have a lot of punks comic stuff or pixel walk stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I have a V friend. So, I, so I'm, I'm just like you, I'm not really, I'm looking for new ideas and looking for IP building. So yeah, unless it's sure. that, I'm not looking for uh like a, a jumping rabbit or whatever, like, like yeah. and, and whatever they like to say, but yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with you there. Um, have you ever been, have you ever been rugged by any project? Uh, luckily I have not. Um, I haven't as, as far as I'm aware anyway, um, I haven't, I haven't really had a, a bunch of major losses so far, thankfully. Um, so I've been pretty selective about what I've been doing in the space. Um, I haven't been hacked and, uh, do a really good job of wallet security, but, um, but no, I have not been rugged and, I, I hope I never am. Um, I feel bad for people who, who do get scammed. It's, uh, it's a terrible thing. And uh, these OpenSea listings, this stuff has been crazy. I've been trying to follow it and, and help people out as much as I can with all of this. But, um, but yeah, and the, luckily I, I just read earlier that, that OpenSea is actually reaching out to people and, and making it right um, with, uh, with listings that sold um, by uh, old listings. But, um, but I did tweet out the other day a link to go check that out. So if you're a board ape owner and uh, you need to go check that out, um, it's basically, I think, uh, you know, question mark uh, account equals listings dash inactive or something like that. I tweeted out the other day though, um, but OpenSea has now put a way in there for you to put in a certain URL, connect with their website. It's not accessible from the UI yet. So I don't know when they're gonna put it in the UI so that you can see it on your homepage. And just check out all your listings that would be a huge huge benefit but for now you have to paste that link in but i would highly recommend doing that so you don't get uh don't get your apes sold at some ridiculously low price 
Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, can you go into that a little bit about like I haven't dug deep into like how it happened, but how how did something like that end up happening anyway? Yeah. So um, when you when you interact on the blockchain, you're you're signing a message and you're putting the transaction on the blockchain. Essentially, what was happening is um, people realized that well, if they transferred their um, and this was back in the day of one ETH apes, right? So like just way back they realized that if they transferred their ape out um, when they transferred it back to their wallet the listing no longer existed so um so they're transferring the, it to like a um like a cold wallet have, right or something like tell, that like some names of some cold wallets still because yeah. I, I i still need to buy one yeah a ledger is a is a good one um my, my personal recommendation though is um a service called argent um, it's a smart contract wallet, so you can actually download the app on your phone. Um, and uh, reasons I would highly recommend um, Argent are you can do social recovery. So my brother, my brother-in-law, and my wife um, all have Argent wallets. So if I wanted to make them my social recovery people, I could. Um, I could essentially put five people on social recovery. And if I die, then three of them could uh, restore my wallet and uh, gain access to my wallet. So that's a big feature of Argent. Um, another big feature is uh, two-factor authentication. So it has two-factor authentication where you can essentially have Argent, you have to put in a text code and click an email link every time you do a transaction. So I use Argent for my cold wallet. I would highly recommend it for a cold wallet. Um, and uh, it's got a bunch of great features and they actually introducing layer two, um, which I'm part of that beta and uh, it's, it's going very well. So um, highly recommend Argent for that. Um, Trezor is a good one. Um, it's a good cold wallet as well. And Grid Lattice is, is a good cold wallet as well. If you use Argent, they use uh, Wallet Connect on most websites. Only thing you can't do with Argent is create a listing on OpenSea. And that has to do with an OpenSea issue with them not um, essentially implementing a certain EIP, which Argent is like working with them on. EIP is a Ethereum improvement proposal. And uh, OpenSea is the one who's actually behind um, on doing that to allow you to, you know, use smart contracts to interact with their platform. But Argent's working with them on that, trying to trying to get them there. But it's a it's a great social recovery wallet. Actually, Vitalik um, wrote a great article about why people needed to be using social recovery wallets uh, going forward, which essentially has to do with the whole like if you die, nobody can recover your account thing. Um, which is a big going to be a big deal if if uh, crypto goes mainstream enough. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, how much is Ar uh, Argent? Uh, it's free. It's a free app um, on the App Store, so downloadable via Android and the Apple App Store. Um, you have to pay gas to create the uh, wallet initially because it's a smart contract wallet. So a wallet will actually be our contract will actually be deployed to um, to manage your your address. So oh, cool. I'll have to uh, definitely look into that. To go off of, uh, can I interrupt you? Sorry about that. You're good. So to go off of what happened is they created a listing on OpenSea. They transferred it to the cold wallet and then they transferred yep. it back to OpenSea. And then they it never actually delisted the original listing. Yeah, OpenSea's UI just dropped the listing from existing on the UI. But because uh, transferring it um, is, is essentially calling a different functionality, 
um, in, in uh, the process. Um, it doesn't actually like, it's essentially probably an OpenSea issue where they could make transfer be a transfer and cancel functionality or something like that, but it mm -hmm. was just existing as a transfer functionality. And so then as soon as the asset gets moved back into the wallet where it used to exist, even though it doesn't show on the, um, on the web page, on the OpenSea uh, account page or the, the listing of the item page or whatever, um, even though the listing doesn't show, it was actually findable via OpenSea's API. So people were finding these old listings and then just interacting with them directly on the blockchain uh, to, to make the purchase of these assets because the listing was still listed as open on the blockchain and the uh, OpenSea contract still had access to the person's wallet. Um, the asset actually cannot be sold via one of those listings if it exists in a different wallet. So um, it's kind of like having an open roadway and uh, if it's in a different wallet, it, the, the road's closed. So, um, so it, it can't actually move, but if it's in that same wallet where that listing was created a long time ago, then they've got a they have free and clear path. Um, so I'd highly recommend going and finding that tweet with that URL, checking your assets, making sure you don't have any old open listings. Also, you can go to revoke.cash and you can use revoke cash to revoke all permissions that OpenSea might have to your wallet if you uh, can't move that asset. So, Yeah, I, I definitely have used uh, revoke.cash and it definitely has helped, especially when claiming some of those, uh, those airdrop tokens that absolutely <laughs> were being used. Um, what, where do you fall at when it comes from a moral standpoint? Is it like for yourself, if you saw a listing for super cheap like that, and would you, would you buy it? No, um, I have resisted doing that um, for many reasons. One reason being that um, I don't think it's right. One reason being that um, likely long-term, I'll probably end up working in this space. And so that's not a good look. And then, um, you know, probably the last reason is like, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of something like that. So there definitely always be people who will be all over the spectrum about that. And there's to a certain degree, like there's a level of like hackerism. I've seen, you know, black hat hackers turn white hat, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, before and there's a certain degree of like oh well you just did it and somebody else would do it or like you know I don't know there's a million excuses I guess for it and you know you can call it moral or immoral you can call it a free market however you want to call it we're, we're very early in this space so um you know it there's gonna yeah, be bugs there's gonna be glitches it always reminds me of uh like McDonald's if you go to McDonald's like they'll hand you the coffee and it says caution hot right so yeah it always reminds me of we're in that space now where people do have to make these mistakes in order for us to actually grow as a space so sure. now i go to mcdowns like why would do you need to put caution maybe hot on this cup right but at some point there's a person that sued mcdonald's because they didn't right. they didn't know it was hot you know so that's right um so it's always a, that's a good analogy for sure a way to look at that uh let's see oh i got a few more questions here um what are your thoughts on moon pay on onboarding like all these celebrities do you think uh i feel like at hey i'm gonna tell you my thoughts and let me know what you think yeah go so ahead. i i feel like it's more it's like a marketing play for the for moon pay or those celebrities 
more than it is for, I mean, it gives Board Ape Yacht Club more exposure, you know, but I don't know how much it helps, like, long-term. Yeah, no, um, I, I think it's probably definitely a marketing play for MoonPay, but I think it's a really, really good one. Um, the, um, who's the guy, uh, Xerox Deepak. Um, I don't know if you've seen Deepak and uh, what, uh, what company does he, anyway, Deepak is, um, has bought some of the most insane board eight purchases that have happened so far. And they haven't been as a marketing play, um, mm -hmm. supposedly, but it's been phenomenal marketing. <laughs> um, he, he is uh, the chain.com CEO. And, mm -hmm. um, and they're essentially, I think, a blockchain analytics company. And it's been phenomenal for uh, their exposure. And so um, I think it's probably definitely a big marketing play by MoonPay. Um, glad it's Board Ape Yacht Club. And, but uh, I also think it's interesting that all these celebrities actually are interested in this space and um, willing to spend the money um, on digital assets. And uh, it's probably a big marketing play for themselves as well. But I'm sure there's some of them that are actually like truly interested um, in the space and, and, and that's cool. Um, so I think it's a, it's probably a win all around. Um, and, uh, it'll increase, obviously quickly increase the adoption. I mean, I'm, I'm here because of a celebrity. Um, so big Eminem fan and, uh, yeah, his, uh, the, the rap game, uh, SNL skit to me was absolutely hilarious. So, um, it was like, okay, well this, this is probably something, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, I like that. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, what, I, what I was going to say, I kind of compare it as a, not another analogy. I kind of compare it to, I'm a big hip hop fan. And yeah. I kind of compare it to, there's a lot of people that come from another genre of music and they temporarily become hip hop fans or they start making certain songs to grab a certain fan base. And then right. they turn around and say, oh, I never had any, I didn't have any real interest in that or that was a, so I kind of view it as that, but sure. not, not everything has to be a pessimistic thing. Um, but I do, it's like with so many of them onboarding, I do feel like there will be some that will turn around by, oh, I, I now have an NFT project out, come buy my project, you know? And we've, oh, seen for sure. multiple, we've seen multiple celebrity projects not turn out as well as they, you would think. No doubt. That's no it. doubt. Yeah. And, and I think that's been good. Um, I think it's good that the space is rejecting cash grab. You know, I saw some board of yacht club owners earlier calling out some, um, calling out some Twitter profiles that had just joined the space and uh, they were just, you know, changing their profile pic regularly to promote these different projects. They were verified, you know, um, TikTok influencer type uh, Twitter profiles. And uh, you know, so I, I think that's a good thing. Um, the space needs to be organic and I, I, to me it's it's crazy but it's so awesome that uh, four people who uh, who like kind of knew each other fr from from life previously you know came together and created a company that uh, in less than a year that's worth five billion dollars I mean that's that says a lot <laughs> for where yeah, the space is at right now American dream and capitalism yeah so. absolutely for sure so i mean anybody can make it right right these guys yeah, were like right. a college dropout type like 
it always gives people like me hope <laughs> that's right same here man so uh i was looking at your wallet before like we yeah. uh hit this podcast which is cool that you can like that's the social media aspect of uh, oh absolutely of it's it's awesome so i noticed that you have a lot of ens nfts is there a certain yeah. a play behind that at all i do know that they had that airdrop but it looks like uh recently you recently have been on a on a buying spree it looks like is it yeah. and i think one of them was like apple watch.eth or something like that can you yes. go over some of those like plays why you did this? yeah absolutely for sure um i snagged apple watch.eth that was a great one um i am i'm i've got some other ones on my radar that i'm coming up towards and uh you know i'm very very bullish on what ens is doing um they're decentralizing the right way and I think this is probably just a super simple play. Um, you know, it's, it's domain names 2.0. There's a ton of domain name investors in Board Ape Yacht Club, um, just an absolute ton. Um, and because they have all made a good bit of money um, being early on domain names, they all have a good bit of money to, um, I'm actually talking with one tomorrow um and and uh who uh, one who actually wants to like i think do some sort of uh representation of of my apes um help me license and things like that with with some big companies so be really interested to see where that goes but um but yeah i think it's a easy domain names 2.0 play there's no airdrop play here um i think these these uh ens names are, are huge they're very 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 decentralized um i love what brantley and the team have done with ENS. And so I'm very, very bullish long-term on ENS. And there's actually a leaderboard. You can go look it up, ENS uh, leaderboard, and it will tell you the most popular people who have ENS names. And mm -hmm. there's some really, really popular people um, on Twitter overall that have uh, ENS names. And um, that I think that's really cool. It's called uh, eth-leaderboard.eth. -eth and you can look it up at ethleaderboard.xyz. Um, Paris Hilton is the, the most popular with 17 million followers. Uh, you got Shaq, Trey Songs, um, Drake Bell, Vitalik, uh, Jayco. And so there's a bunch of really, really famous people that, um, that have ENS names. Uh, Chris Dixon is a really, really famous investor. Um, so highly recommend uh, if you don't own your ENS name, get your ENS name. It's not about the airdrop. It's about essentially having your your handle that you want uh, to exist on the blockchain. That's gonna, you know, be the settlement layer for the rest of uh, the rest of time. Yeah, that definitely has made it easy for me to be able, to, like, when I purchase crypto on one exchange, to easily just be able to send it to one one place. It's made it so much easier. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you there. It's kind of just like a uh, what's the word for it? It's like a website kind of for that's you right. your, for your thing absolutely and, and like 27 that's right and, and the other thing is you can actually utilize ens as a domain name you can import ens into dns and use it as a full-fledged domain name right now um vitalik's actually doing that with his blog so you can actually um, look up uh, i believe it's vitalik.eth his blog is vitalik.ca um but I, th I believe you can actually put Vitalik.eth in uh, to a uh, browser that is uh, Ethereum enabled and you can read his blog um, right there. Oh, wow. So hmm. very wow. cool. Are you, uh, as a side note, are you still a big uh, GM 
older of the um i have some gm but i don't have a ton at one point you did have a ton right yeah at one point i had a good bet for sure yeah total meme play <laughs> yeah I, yeah i missed out on every meme play amc gamestop gm i, mi- I missed out on them all man maybe next I time i know maybe next time <laughs> yes Sh- shib too like 72x oh yeah yeah that too missed out on that same here um so i got two more questions for you if you got some time um so a lot of people think that you have to have a lot of money in order to be successful in this space so i I believe that's wrong just because i bought a board ape for about a thousand dollars at like roughly at that time yeah so if someone looking to get started in nfts and they had about a thousand dollars which would be about 0.5 eth I'm not, don't tell like what to actually go buy, but like, what would your steps be in order to find a project that you, you like? So probably if you're interested in getting in NFTs right now with a thousand ETH um, or a thousand dollars, I would probably, I'll probably start by grinding up your balance from half an ETH to maybe an ETH. Uh, Good ways you can do that would be if you wanted to right now anyway, you could buy looks and stake it. Um, I, there's some other things you could do with it. You could um, you could just stake ETH purely, but looks is paying, I believe, 600% APR right now. So uh, that'll probably get you there the fastest. Um, if you were gonna actually buy uh, NFTs directly and start there, then probably what I would do is I would section that off into a few different projects. And I would try to spend like, less than 0.1 ETH on each one. So highly recommend kind of diversifying out. Um, it's very, very, very extremely rare and hard to uh, to hit a home run um, in, in this space. Um, even things that uh, I've looked at and I've been like, oh yeah, that'll probably do really well. I've, I haven't pulled the trigger on myself and then it has done really well. And there's been things that I'm like, I, I get convinced. I'm like, there's hundred percent. This is gonna, this is gonna moon. And then, and then I'll invest some money and it. it's just like, no, it goes nowhere. So, um, so it's very, very hard to get it right all the time. So I wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, but I would probably try, uh, some DeFi stuff first and grind your balance up because NFTs are, uh, very, very illiquid and, um, and it, it is easier with more capital but um but you can obviously do it um you can obviously do it with with way less i've seen people you know um do it with way 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 less than a thousand bucks so um so you you can you can get there with with just about any amount of money honestly um it's just a it's just a grind and honestly it's about how much time you want to put into it too um i don't know about you but personally i'm spending between two and four hours every day educating myself on crypto and educating myself on NFTs and um, and really just trying to to learn as much as I can. And I know that's that's gonna pay off in returns down the road. Right, yeah, I mean, um, what I, I have a, a like a Word document on my computer where I try to at least learn a crypto, like a different crypto every day kind of thing. Nice. Uh, just to try to figure out like what's the differences between all these things and even looking at like the layer twos of Ethereum. Uh, yeah. that's the that's the main thing that I think in order for this space to uh, expand, I don't think it will be necessarily just on the Ethereum right. uh, or level one, 
uh, especially when it comes to play to earn gaming. Like I, there's too many transaction fees in, in that in order for sure. it ever to go mainstream. So I do think uh, level two will end up being necessary there. Right. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you there where you need to put in the hours in order and the space does, but, uh, it does pay you back for the for those hours that you put in. You're not going to end up uh, the likelihood that you get rugged on a project is going to be very slim if you do put in the necessary work in order to figure out the projects and don't necessarily just hop in to stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And airdrops airdrops in DeFi, you know, that's a good way to grind up your Ethereum balance. You know, um, yeah, you got to get out there. You got to try some things. You got to make some mistakes, and you got to learn. Um, it was. Uh, a very, I feel like everyone's first like crypto transaction is is kind of weird, but like you know, my first crypto transaction was really, really, really weird, and and I was like, oh man, that's it's kind of cool, but that was kind of weird, you know, <laughs> and um and so it gets more comfortable, and you get a lot more comfortable with what's actually happening when you're clicking the buttons, and so you have to understand though that you may totally just absolutely like lose your money because you don't know what you're doing. You know, you may send uh, some ETH to some random address because that was the thing that you copy pasted last time. Um, you gotta be, you gotta be okay with that and, uh, and, and just learn. So you gotta be willing to make an effort. Yeah, I still make mistakes uh, to this day because uh, last time, the last thing I was trying to mint was, I also saw that you own it, it was uh, Punk's Comic 2. I was yeah. trying to mint it and I was doing it from my phone and I never actually buy anything from my phone literally ever. Yeah. And I guess my gas transaction was on slow. And, oh. so, <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to on the mobile to end up speeding it up. So yep. then Punktomic 2 ended up selling out within 10 minutes. And I literally got in it like on minute number one. So I had time in order to get yeah. it. And I guess and I made a mistake. And it's just like, uh, and it cost me because I ended up buying it on the secondary market for right. 0.4. I was just like, yep. dang. I, uh, so you still still learn, uh, even if you've been in the in the. And that's the thing with the space. There's so many OGs are going to be so many OGs that have just started not that long ago, and they they right. but they have engulfed themselves into so much information that they get to have that have that platform. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's just about like spending the time, like find a way to spend time. My way is um. I scroll Twitter constantly and uh, pretty active on there, uh, pretty active in Discord, and I do a lot of podcasts. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'll go back and listen to this, um, try to get better at doing podcasts myself. But um, but yeah, absolutely, just try to spend as much time as you can just absorbing information and content. You know when you can fit it into your day. Oh, yeah, for sure. And last thing that we got to talk about is the metaverse. A lot of yeah. people, uh, the mainstream you know, the first time they heard of it was Facebook changing their name to Meta. And now they're like, oh, everything's the Metaverse now. And and I, I believe that every company would more likely have a Metaverse strategy, especially I'm pretty bullish on uh, digital like fashion um, mm -hmm. from um, myself. And, but a lot of people are now, I've been in a lot of inboxes when it comes to uh, um, virtual land. Yeah. Um, me personally, I feel like it's too early and it's more like a, uh, a dart. You're just trying to throw a dart at something to figure out. Uh, and hopefully you hit the jackpot. 
Um, right. Do you have you looked into virtual land at all, or what are your thoughts there? Do you still do you think it's too early to actually invest in this stuff? Yeah, um, it's really interesting. I have looked into virtual land. It's been very pricey, and I haven't been interested at the prices um, at the U.S. dollar prices that it's been. Um, I mean, obviously I have plenty of money to be able to do it, but I just haven't been interested at those prices. Um, as far as like where the metaverse is going and all that, I think it probably like the hard part about talking about it is that I feel like to talk about the metaverse, you almost have to spend like 20 minutes defining what you think the metaverse is and that everyone's on the same page about what the actual definition of the metaverse is before you can talk about the metaverse. And so, right, so, um, so sorry to interrupt you. What, yeah, so ahead. let's not let's not spend 20 minutes on defining it, but give right. me your give me your elevator pitch of what you would say the metaverse is. It might so, be different from mine. Yeah, so I would say the metaverse is like your digital your digital assets and your digital identity. So anywhere where you can be digitally identifiable as you, then that is kind of pseudo the metaverse, whether decentralized or not. So I would consider Twitter somewhat the metaverse um, and somewhat Web3 because of what they're doing with NFT profile pictures and what I've done with my Twitter and what a lot of Twitter people are doing with theirs with NFTs and stuff like that. Consider that pseudo the metaverse. So anywhere you can own digital assets as well as be digitally yourself, um, that's the metaverse to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm close to yours. Uh, mine is just remove the digital asset part. I feel like it's, it's just your digital digital identity. So I right. feel like Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, and our Facebook, Twitter, those social media platforms uh, are the metaverse. And they're just, now this is like metaverse, uh, what face, like the central land and stuff like the sandbox, what they're trying to create is like a sims version even sims sims could or fortnite right. uh could be considered a metaverse so i guess feel like right. they're trying to create that scale so i think yeah. that metaverse is here it's already been here it's just about uh expanding that i kind of have been comparing it to the way because a lot of people are making fun of the way decentraland looks you know yeah and i kind of view it as early video games like Grand Theft Auto 2 or even the Nintendo, the duck shooting right. game where the graphics weren't the best, but you you still loved it because it was something new. But now yeah. you compare those graphics then to what they are like now for video games. And you're just like, right. I can't believe I even played that as, yeah. as a kid. You know, so I kind of view that is where the metaverse is currently at. It's in that space where you're like, uh, it, it looks a little looks a little weird but it'll, yeah. it'll continue to grow and look better as time goes on. Yeah, no, for sure. hundred percent agree. Yeah. So do you have any predictions on, on it at all? Like, a, um, like, do you think every, I, every company will have a metaverse strategy? Uh, yeah. I mean, I saw earlier uh, that uh, Twitter is interested in uh, incorporating NFTs into their platform. So I think, I think every company is probably going to be forced to do, something whether or not they have like a entire strategy or have people that work on it for them um but uh, i personally would recommend every company doing something i think one way every company could uh, be involved in the metaverse and could uh move their company forward in the way that they're thinking about technology and the future of technology is through uh through the use of po-ops po-ops are super easy 
Um, it's a protocol on Ethereum called Proof of, uh, of Attendance Protocol. And, uh, and you essentially can get a badge for attending an event. Um, I would do that for all sporting events. I would do that for all social gatherings, all that kind of stuff. Uh, be an easy way for companies and, uh, and people to start, you know, getting, getting closer into the metaverse. And um, it's, it's awesome to be able to have like this entire collection of all these badges um, about where you've been and what you've done through life. It's like collecting trading cards or anything else. So um, uh, yeah, I think probably to some degree, every company is going to have to be involved in the metaverse. Um, but it, it just depends on the relationship with the customers. And, you know, if you're a service-based business, home services or something like that, you, maybe you won't be involved in the metaverse if you just, you know, do somebody's yard work or cut down trees for someone or whatever. But, but I think a lot of, a lot of companies are going to have to be, um, you know, pushing a lot more towards the metaverse. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there. And, and uh, before we wrap up, is there any, uh, any you mentioned some books earlier is there any like books or movies or any like words of wisdom that you would give anyone that is a new trying to get into the space or is currently in the space yeah um i would probably say i would read the infinite machine uh, by camille russo and i would also read bitcoin billionaires um that's a really good book as well that's the story of the winklevoss twins and it kind of tells the story of um, the their early, you know, ventures into Bitcoin, um, and they actually literally are billionaires because of Bitcoin, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. So um, those are some really good books to kind of give you some history. And um, and like I said, I would 100% read uh, read Before Bitcoin by Peter Pan, um, and I sent you a link to that. Um, but those are those are some really good things. And then uh, you know, I also spend a lot of time listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, probably my, my favorite is uh, the Bankless podcast. Um, I listen to those guys constantly. So um, I, I don't always necessarily agree with what they say, but you know, I, I definitely appreciate the, the work that they put into aggregating the information and just really makes it, uh, as they say, an easy download for me um, to uh, really get all the, the updates. And there's often things I'm hearing that I'm like, I totally missed that last week. Like <laughs> space just moves so fast that uh, I didn't even catch that. And I, I absorb a lot of information quickly. So I, I realize how fast, you know, that, that we're moving for, for people who potentially don't, don't move as fast as I do. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude. Space definitely moves fast. Uh, I remember like two weeks felt like three months at one point and I was like, Oh my goodness, so much is going on. And I also, I also do process information quickly. And I was, that was just a yeah. lot for me too. And I was just like, Jesus, that had been, yes. that was just, that had been two weeks ago. I thought that had been yeah. last month. <laughs> Absolutely, man. No, it's crazy. It's, it moves so fast. So um, yeah, it's, it's hard to keep up with. And I think a lot of people just don't want to put the work in. So, I mean, again, if you want to put the work in, this is a space where you can be early and that's going to pay dividends um, for you and, and free you up. So uh, in the future with your time. So that's super important. Oh yeah, I always say that you got to do it for your future self. Your future self would definitely thank you uh, for the time that you put in now. Yeah, no, absolutely, man, for sure. Well, hey, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on the pod and I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Tyler. I enjoyed it, man.